The objective, to deliver the NBA to you like no other. News, play breakdowns, power rankings, storylines you never hear talked about anywhere else. It's all straight shots here. Fired by straight shooters. S and gun. This is the Objective Basketball Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Objective Basketball Podcast. My name is S, joined by Lauren. I am wearing a Blue Jays shirt because it is officially Blue Jays season here in Toronto. I, I though, although for the you know hockey faithfuls listening. <laughs> Go Leafs, go. Uh, I was talking to our producer, Robert, the other day, and he's like, yeah, man, Leafs in six. Leafs in six. And I'm like, all right, man, we'll see. We'll see. I hear that every I love it. year. I hear that every year. We'll see what happens. Uh, but, yes, uh, the Toronto Raptors, their season is officially over, as is the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, both teams lost in the 9-10 play-in to the 10 seed, uh, the Chicago Bulls, respectively, and the Oklahoma City Thunder. Which one do you want to tackle first before we before we dive off into other topics? I want to talk to Pell's Thunder. Okay, cool. Yeah. Look, I mean, that was, uh, man, the performance that SGA and Josh Giddy had on that big of a stage. They're the youngest team in the NBA. I believe they're still the youngest team in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, and for them to have that type of performance to me was like, yo, yeah. they are ready. They are 100% ready to, to have superstars. Uh, or to have stars, young stars at that, that can compete at a high level in the regular season, can perform and overperform their expectations in the regular season, and then to actually double down on that in the playoffs and and kind of replicate the same thing you've been doing in the regular season mm-hmm. on that big of a stage, I think it's such a big part of being a young team. It's such a massive jump from playoff to regular season or regular season to playoffs. So for them to have those type of performances, I mean, Josh Giddy was one rebound away from a 30 point triple double SGA had 32, I believe, or, or, you know, somewhere in the thirties. Um, he scored 20 plus points in the second half. Most of those in the third quarter where he absolutely just cooked. Mm-hmm. It was awesome to see OKC. And I, I mean, you know, going into the play tonight, we're obviously recording this on Friday afternoon. I'm really curious to see if OKC can maybe swindle this one and yeah. steal it. I, I I think there's a possibility. Ant versus SGA. That's gonna be that's gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah, I do. Th- I mean, before we before I look forward to to tonight, I was very impressed by what I saw from OKC. And as I continue to watch this team, there's mm-hmm. okay. Well, yeah, we've been watching Shea, and his numbers are insane, and everyone talks about the the season that he's put together, but. I don't think enough people are, are, I should say now is the time where people I feel like are finally going to start including them in the conversation with Memphis and with New Orleans when you're talking about having young groups that are ready to compete now. And so I love the competitiveness and the camaraderie that you're seeing out in Oklahoma City because everyone is kind of expecting, oh, well, they have all these young guys. They're kind of seeing who sticks, who impresses, who's really going to be a part of this young core of the future. But the future might just be now. And and I am curious to see how far they take this. We have talked about Minnesota and all the challenges that they have to overcome, all the pressure that they have to overcome. So yeah, I'm with you. I would not be surprised if they come out tonight and, and swindle that one. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting. I, I will say with OKC, um, and yeah, we're talking more about them than the team that got eliminated here. For yes. We'll talk about the Pelicans in a second. But when it comes to OKC, you look at 
Okay, so they have SGA, who's 24, Josh Giddy, who's 20, Lou Dort, he's in his like early 20s as well. Uh, Jalen Williams, obviously, in his 20s, early 20s. Uh, they have this young core, and then you add the number two overall pick from last year to it next season in Chet Holmgren. If you look at teams that have been frisky in the plan, that have that have done something, that have been exciting in the plan, and then made that leap, there's mm-hmm. there's real evidence there for something like that. The Memphis Grizzlies a couple of seasons ago with with that game against the Warriors and and the game against the Blazers before that. They, there's like some tangible stuff to playing in the play-in tournament as a young team and then using that as sort of a springboard to your next season. So I would not be surprised if OKC next year by adding Chet, maybe obviously they have tons of cap space so they can add some vet vet presences here and there. Uh, one the 11th I, overall pick. Yeah, the 11th overall pick, um, or 12th, depending. Or, yeah. Yeah, so, so I'm actually, I'm uh, listen, Raptors fans, <laughs> we're, we're, we're watching these next two games very closely. We need oh, yeah. the Bulls and the Thunder I to love win it. this so that, so that the Raptors get the 11th pick. But um, when it comes to that, like, man, they have the ability to go out and do some really, really interesting things this offseason. They're playing with house money right now, but they have a chance to be legitimately competitive next year. So that's OKC. Okay, New Orleans on the other side just feels like it's ah man it it's such a it, it, like everything centers around Zion Williamson and mm-hmm. what the future will hold with him it's just it's tough to digest anything because we were on this podcast uh, a couple months ago talking about hey this oh, is yeah. the number 1 seed New Orleans Pelicans they are at the top of the Western Conference maybe they finish at the top of the Western Conference and then Zion Williamson gets hurt Brandon Ingram comes back. He's not 100% for the first couple of months. CJ McCollum is dealing with some injuries. And then they just flutter away and, and they end up as a playing team. And now they're eliminated. I, I, I just think so much of what the Pelicans are relies on a... I mean, this, is, this goes without saying. It relies on a healthy Zion Williamson. He didn't play the entire season last year. He only played 29 games this season. And then the only season that he's been, you know, remotely healthy and available, which we he played 61 games in the 2020-2021 season, he was an all-star. He was he was le- legitimately a top 15 player in the NBA. So the potential is there. The ability is there. He's shown and he's proven that he can do this at a consistent level. It's just about the health. And I I hate that that's it. I hate that that's it. Like I hate that we can't really talk about anything else when it comes to the New Orleans Pelicans. Yeah, we can talk about CJ McCollum, his upcoming free agency, what he may potentially do, where he may potentially go. Uh, We could talk about Brandon Ingram, the growth that he's taken over the last couple of years, but really, truly all of this relies on, on Zion and, and what he becomes. So I just, do you have anything that you would like to say on the Zion front? Because to me, it's just sad, man. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think it is. I mean, it is sad. Um, on on the flip side, I think we're having the same conversation with a lot of teams. Like we, you can only really consider them to be a part of the conversation if this guy is healthy. And obviously, right. we, you want everyone to be healthy. But but when we we look at the Lakers and we are talking about Anthony Davis, or we're looking at the Clippers and we're talking about Paul George, and we're talking having all these conversations, it is a similar conversation. The part that's just so sad about it is because Zion is so new, and Zion. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are really starting to to build momentum, and and like you mentioned. Uh, at certain points in the season, they were really kind of yeah. opening, turning heads. And so um, I've seen obviously the, oh, should the Pelicans move on from Zion? Should they do this? Should they do that? Like just a couple of crazy tweets. And it's just like, 
you're this isn't this isn't the type of situation where it's okay well we have to punt or reset like that that is no those conversations are not what i'm trying to say is you can't as much as i'm talking about paul george and, and anthony davis and the lakers and some of these teams that are all in right now the pelicans have the talent and the potential that we just talked about to mm-hmm. to run with some of these teams but they're not in a time in a time frame where they have to be at the top right now. CJ McCollum signed his extension. He's there through 2026. And so they, they have, they have opportunities to continue to build on this, on this group. And um, they do have some decisions to make with, with guys like Jackson Hayes, Kyra Lewis, but those are, those are much smaller decisions and things that aren't going to really impact their formula. So I do think that, that they're in an okay position. They're just going to need to figure out the best strategy to maximize Zion. If they now have enough, I guess, data to really look back and say, we're never going to have him for all 82 games. What can we do to put ourselves in a position to go full steam ahead in the playoffs? And I don't right. know what that answer is for a guy like Zion or or even for other NBA teams, because I do think that that is a serious conversation that is happening internally, especially when you look at, again, someone like the Clippers who is paid, paying so much money to try and put this team in a position to win. There's a lot of questions to be asked. So I'm curious to see what New Orleans does, but I do think that they have options and I do think that they will be fine. So I'm I'm rooting for them because it's a good story. Yeah. And look, I mean, to your point, we talked about this on the podcast a couple of months ago, but yeah, building a regiment, building something that makes sense around Zion Williamson is going to be the key here. How they figure out, okay, is he going to be resting back to backs? If we're playing three games and four nights, is he playing the third game? No. Okay. If we, if we're going to, you know, like, how are we going to make it so that this is sustainable for Zion? And there there was obviously the report that like he is able to come back. He was able to return if they made it to the playoffs, but that he didn't feel comfortable in his own body. He didn't feel right playing uh, and playing at the ability, the capability that he was at earlier. So that's that's going to be a tough pill to swallow, man. I, at the end of the day, that's just what it is. It, it, it really, as simple as it is, it is just health for the New Orleans Pelicans because everything else is sort of set up for them. They have Trey Murphy the third. They have, obviously, uh, Herb Jones and Brandon Ingram and a lot of these younger guys that they can look forward to, but it all centers around Zion Williamson. So the other team that that lost, uh, this this small little team from Toronto called the Toronto Raptors, they are, uh, they are also eliminated. They have tons of questions, as opposed to the New Orleans Pelicans who are also just banking on health. The Raptors, on the other hand, have tons of questions this offseason. There's the Nick Nurse rumors of him potentially leaving, uh, going to the Houston Rockets. You know, there's there's a lot of rumors about that. I actually think there's a lot of credence to those rumors. I think there's pretty much I if I had to be a betting man, by the way, you know what? Since we're here, ladies and gentlemen, being a betting man, <laughs> let me talk about sports interaction for you. Why not? Get in on the action and make your bet with sports interaction. Every hit, every shot, every goal, every game winner from all your favorite teams and all your players, like the Toronto Raptors being eliminated, uh, that you can't really bet on them. Maybe you can bet on Nick Nurse leaving. That's probably a potential here. We could talk about that a little bit later. With competitive odds, the best live in play, and more ways to ever get into the game. Like Minute Madness, our exclusive game with so many opportunities to win by the minute. Download the app in Ontario. Use the QR code on your screen if you can. Or head to sportsinteraction.com SDPN to get started. 19 plus, please play responsibly. Okay, so talked about it a little bit just now in our little ad read, but... Nick Nurse uh, and the Toronto Raptors are really the other team that was eliminated. They have, as opposed to the New Orleans Pelicans, who really are just banking on health. 
The Raptors have tons of questions moving forward in the offseason. The Nick Nurse question of where he might go, if he's going to be leaving. I actually, if I was a betting man, speaking of, you know, bets, I would say that Nick Nurse is gone. I, I wow. think the first domino to fall wow. here is, is Nick Nurse being gone, which I, I'm sure you're like, Jason Kidd, get out of here so well, we can hire Nick Nurse. God, I can uh, dream, but I won't waste yeah. my time anyway. I know. Sorry. I know. Um, but but there, that's only the start of the questions that loom around the Toronto Raptors. Fred Van Vliet is a unrestricted free agent, as is Gary Trent Jr. and Jakob Pertle. They have one year left on their deals. Pa- Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi have one year left on their deals, and so they are extension eligible this offseason, which makes this summer arguably the most important summer since the 2018 season when they traded for uh, Kawhi Leonard, uh, 2018 offseason. So, I, I mean, there's a lot of decisions. At the trade deadline, we talked about it, Lauren, how this trade for Jakob Pertl was sort of uh, – it, it was – a testament to them trying to be a playoff team. They were saying, we believe in this core. We believe in you guys. We want to be a playoff team. And what happened was D.R. DeRozan, right? Missing your free throws. I, I, I'm i not going to get into that. <laughs> I was going to ask how you felt about that. <laughs> I don't care about that. I can't believe there are, <laughs> there are so many, uh, in, in all honesty, there are so many awful Raptors fans who are blaming the entire game on D.R. DeRozan. <laughs> And it's oh like, God. Listen, there's cope and then there's desperation. And my friend, <laughs> you're being a little desperate right now. 18 missed free throws. I was talking to someone about this earlier. It doesn't matter if someone is screaming bloody murder. You should be able to knock down a high percentage of your free throws as a professional basketball player. You get paid millions of dollars to knock down something that is called a free throw. They shot Shaq percentage of free throws. Um, in an in an all important elimination game, I'm not excuse. I'm not gonna blame that on Dr. DeRozan. <laughs> yeah, okay. So what? She screamed. You know what? You know what else NBA players are used to? By the way, everybody's screaming during free throws in mm-hmm. a in a live action playoff environment. The Raptors have been a pretty abysmal free throw team all season. That is something they've struggled with literally every year. Uh, sorry, literally every game this season. It just came back to haunt them. It just came back to bite them when it when it mattered most. That's what the story is here with that game. Uh, there's there's a tons of other there's tons of other mini storylines with that Raptors Bulls game as well. But the the most important stuff is going to be happening in this offseason. What are they going to do with Fred VanVleet, Jakob Pertl, and Gary Trent Jr.? They don't have the money to potentially sign all of them unless they take out someone else in that equation. Unless they move an OG Ananobi, unless they decide to gut their bench again and move a Chris Boucher or a or a Thad Young or Otto Porter Jr. or all three of those guys, so there's a lot of questions. There's there's no there's no debate in my mind that there's a lot of questions moving forward. I think they have limited their flexibility because they've pushed their decision making to this summer, because they didn't move off of Gary Trent Jr. or Fred VanVleet in at the at the trade deadline. They've sort of restricted themselves because they're saying, okay, we have to be competitive next year. We sent out a light, lightly protected 2024 first round pick. Top six protected, which means unless we are Houston Rockets level bad next year, we are most likely going to lose our pick. And I, I, I think when you look at that, it's like, okay, this team needs to be competitive next year in order to not give up a high lottery pick. So. With that being said, it probably makes sense to re-sign a Fred VanVleet. Probably makes sense to re-sign a Gary Trent Jr. and a Jakob Pertl. Money-wise, that becomes really, really tough, though. And this is where things get interesting. It's okay. 
Are you going to be taking offers on OG Ananobi, who, you know, has reported his dissatisfaction before and, and his unhappiness with his role? Are you going to be moving off Pascal Siakam, who clearly has tons of value, probably the most amount of value on the team outside of Scotty Barnes? And then when it comes to that, it's like, okay, so let's say you trade trade one of those guys or, or, or maybe trade both of them. How are you going to stay competitive? Yes, there's there's police stuff happening in the background here. Listen, it's hot, ladies and gentlemen. The window is open in Toronto. How are you going to stay competitive um, by trading to those guys? Because you need to stay competitive in order to do that that lottery pick. So they've they've limited themselves here. They can't do anything too drastic, and they most likely have to run it back, and they probably have to do so by taking away some of the guys that they need bench-wise. Uh, I think they've put themselves in a really, really impossible spot. Uh, Messiah Jury and Bobby Webster, they've been known to do the impossible before. They've been known to to swindle and finagle and, and find ways to be creative with the cap. But I do think they're in a tough position right now. And it's a position they have to address. Like they've they've kicked down, they've kicked the can down the road so far and it's reached to this point. They have to make a decision in the summer. I'm sorry I went long-winded, but I just decided let's just explain it. Let's talk about the Toronto Raptors here. Sorry. No, it's perfect. I think when we when we touch on our teams, it's important to really kind of dive deep into them. Um, I'm glad you mentioned Thaddeus Young, Chris Boucher, and Otto Porter Jr. because that's what 28 million around 20 almost 30 million in salary that they could potentially move and we've seen teams time and time again finagle and 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 get get busy with moving moving things around I I kind of want to hit you maybe with some quick fire questions on like pulse check with certain situations you touched on each of them but I kind of want to see more likely or less likely or just get your quick thoughts on them um Fred Van Fleet as of now what does your gut say is he a Raptor next season yeah, I think he gets he is. signed. I okay. Just, I would be so the teams that have cap space uh that can sign him outright are teams that most likely Fred isn't trying to go to. Yeah, that's what I thought. Like, he, I mean, unless he's trying to go to a rebuilding situation and just get a paycheck, then I understand. But I don't I don't think that's his MO from covering his career. I just don't yeah. think that's the way he operates. So I would imagine he stays unless there's some kind of sign and trade worked out with another team. Like there was the Suns rumors that happened oh, at the right. deadline. What if the Suns are interested in getting Fred VanVleet again this summer? Okay, so now you're talking about maybe moving eight, getting eight and whatever. I don't know. Something, sure. I don't yeah. Think, I don't think that's possible anymore, but maybe there's something along the lines of that. Okay, next one, OG trade. How aggressive do you think they could be on that? I think that's, if there's any guy of the core to get traded, it's it's OG. Likely, it's most likely that it's OG. Interesting. Um, they probably tested out feelers throughout the deadline just to yeah. see what was out there. And obviously they liked what they saw, but they didn't like it enough to do it. So maybe they, they do it in the summer. I think, yeah. I think I, I would, I wouldn't be surprised if he stays on the roster, but also I think out of all the core pieces, he seems like the most likely to get moved. Okay. Two, two I have two quick, two more quick ones. Gary sure. Trent Jr. Is he staying or is he going? He that it's a weird read on yeah, Trent, man. Uh, that's what it seems from the outside for sure. Yeah, he uh he's had an up and down season. He's had to deal with you know being in the starting lineup, coming off the bench, his role kind of changing with with a bunch of injuries happening on the roster. Uh, and he didn't look good in that playing game. He really had an abysmal game, especially shot making wise. And that's sort of what you need from Gary Trent Jr. on a day to day basis. I just don't know if he's lived up to the value he's probably expecting from himself in the summer. And I, I think the Raptors do like Gary Trent, Yeah, but I just don't know if the money is out there for him to get paid 
there. So the Raptors are probably in a little bit more of a, of a favorable situation. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Okay. Last one. Is there, I mean, barring where you guys end up in the draft lottery, is there yeah. a popular name among Raptors Twitter that they got their eyes on? Yeah, there's there's a couple of names. JHS, uh, Hood Shafino is a guy that that people talk about a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. Kaysen Wallace, if he drops to 11 or 12, is a guy they mention. Um, and then why am I missing? There's another guy that everybody. Oh, Kobe Bufkin is what is. Who oh, interesting. Everybody, everybody interesting. Talks about Kobe Bufkin. So, yeah, that's nice. it, it. I think um, I like that. There's there's a lot of guards in that range of the of the lottery and NBA draft. And I think the Raptors so desperately need guard <laughs> that like they're going to take, they might go out and try to get another pick. That's, that's yeah. what I'm sort of angling here is like, you know, we talked about OKC earlier. We talked about Orlando, there's Dallas, there's Portland. Like if you can reach out and say, Hey, we're putting out feelers for OG and OB Portland. Would you like to give up your fifth pick for OG and OB Dallas? Would you like to give up 10 and someone else for, for OG and OB? Uh, you know, like, I think there's there's room for something like that to happen, but I I don't I don't know if if that's something that they do. Yeah, I think that's interesting. Yeah, I think there could definitely be something there. It's interesting when you have teams that are, especially given their their predicament moving forward and trying to keep the pick. When you've got teams like Dallas, like Portland, um, even like Washington to an extent, which is debatable, but teams that need to be competitive at least from the outside, or or maybe even want to, or want to, yeah, Yeah. they they're going to be in interesting positions of okay, well, are we closer to a rebuild or are we closer to and do we take the pick or do we look to try and wheel and deal? And so that's where I think Toronto is going to potentially have a lot of leverage uh, around out for indiana because og has connections to indiana yes he's he's talked about that a bunch and you know obviously uh, indiana loves getting people from the state because it's just much easier to re-sign them Mm -hmm. i could see that being a case where the pacers are like hey we have tyrese halliburton we have benedict matherin we have guys that we can be competitive with miles turner we just signed to an extension let's go get og and yeah i like that you know so i like that a lot i don't know we'll see we shall see on the toronto raptors front okay We've eulogized the teams. All right. They are gone. Sayonara. Have a good day. We'll see you guys in the offseason. We'll talk about you guys later. There are two playing games that are happening tonight. We we touched on the Minnesota OKC one a little bit. What is your prediction for the Minnesota OKC one? Do you think OKC pulls off the upset or do you think it's uh, it's Minnesota that gets it done? You know, I'm sticking to what do I stick to every time? Who do I feel comfortable with? And right now it's the Thunder. And I also I I'm I'm pushing for it. I'm hopeful for them. Yeah. And Minnesota, I just I don't I don't see it. I wouldn't be surprised if they do it, if they get it done. But I I think they have a lot of questions. That injury report mm-hmm. it's a little interesting. We'll see we'll yeah. see who gets downgraded, who gets upgraded, but I'm I'm going pro KC. Yeah, I also the 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 I think Ant didn't look the healthiest against the Lakers. Um, he fell really, really awkwardly on his shoulder, I think in the third quarter or like mid, mid third quarter. And he just was not the same. He wasn't getting any lift on his jumpers, anything like that. So I think he's not a hundred percent. And to that, I would say, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Thunder end up winning this. Now, if it's Denver, OKC, that's going to be a tough series for, for OKC because they have no big man to guard <laughs> Nikola Jokic. Not one. Like, we're all respect to Jalen Williams and Dario Saric and Jeremiah Rob Robinson Earl, but like, no way. Yeah, that's tough. They are getting it that, like, they are going to have to send so much help at, at you know, Jokic. That's going to open up so many doors, and the defense is just going to have to collapse. And I think it'll probably be a sweep if that's the case. Minnesota, there's, I have a little bit more hope that they can maybe steal a game or two. Um, just because I'm with you there. More depth, more foundation. But, 
Yeah, that's interesting. Okay, so second playing game, or I guess the first playing game, Bulls versus the Miami Heat, which is just the bowl. It, it feels like the 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 game that means like both of these teams have so many questions moving mm-hmm. forward. It feels like they're also in a similar realm to Toronto, where it's like they they have a lot of questions with their future. I feel like this game will indicate if one of these teams decides to be really aggressive and make a, make a move Mm -hmm. in the summer. Do you agree with that? I completely agree with that because with Toronto, even though, like you said, you guys have a ton of questions, I still feel like they have many options. The bulls and the heat. I kind of feel like this is like do or die. Like this is Mm going to be the domino that finally it's like, okay, this is, we missed the playoffs. You know what I mean? Yeah. For Chicago, I think it's a little bit, as weird as this might sound, a little bit more acceptable than for Miami. Yeah, but I, mean, I think both teams are in a similar kind of, this is not where we ever expected to be. Um, and we're going to have to significantly reassess where to move going forward. And I do think, I think Chicago will be aggressive for multiple reasons. Miami, if Miami is the one that loses this game, I don't know how what to expect. I don't know what they will do because they're still limited with draft assets somewhat and um they get a it's lottery just hard pick, though they, they do get a they do pick, which is interesting I, that I, yeah i mean I, i'm not gonna like yes it would be like 14th you know it's not <laughs> like it would be a great lottery pick but it, i'm saying either way that's another asset that they can throw out there absolutely i'm, good I'm point. curious to see how aggressive miami is regardless of this because when you have jimmy butler you have that opportunity to compete are you going to be listening to offers for Bam Adebayo? Are you going to be listening to offers for Tyler Hero? Are you going to be listening to offers for both? Are you going to send both of those guys out there? Let's say like a Damian Lillard trade comes up. I know there was the report the other day that the Miami Heat are a team to watch if Damian Lillard ends up uh, requesting a trade. I think that would be a very interesting fit because Dame fits the culture. You know, he fits the, and yes, I'm just fiddling with the remote <laughs> control. Uh, James, he fits the culture. He fits like the ethos of what they do. I don't know. I think that would be interesting. I think they could get more aggressive. This yeah. I'm, well, I'm glad you said that because for so many, and this still may be the case, but for so many years, it's been like, don't even call about BAM. Don't even call mm-hmm. about BAM. And that, like I said, still might be the case, but Jimmy's getting older. You got to, yeah. at some point, you've got to take a look around and say, can we realistically get there? The Kyle Lowry deal, okay, looking back and now looking forward, what do we do about that? You have mm-hmm. to have these very real conversations and- I don't know what the right answer. I think if you're Miami, ideally you want to move hero and try and really kind of retool with that. But yeah. I, oof, that's I, that's a tricky one with Miami for sure. I agree. And uh, I think in terms of this matchup, just who's going to win, I would actually say Chicago might have the upper hand here because I think, you know, they probably, they're probably feeling themselves after coming back a big game, obviously coming back down 19 against the Raptors at, um, in Toronto. And then on top of that, the shot making that Levine, um, the, the the kind of the versatility that Levine provides to the Bulls in terms of being a shot creator, a shot, a, a guy who can kind of a play finisher, if you will, that is really interesting against a Miami team that didn't look so great at the point of attack against the Hawks. Uh, the Hawks were just feasting on these open drives, just like straight line drives consistently. And if that is going to be an issue in this game, I kind of favor the Bulls. I think the Bulls will end up winning this game if DeMar is a guy who's creating because I don't think I don't think the Heat have as good of an answer for DeMar DeRozan as the Raptors had with OG Ananobi. And then I think when it comes to Levine's shot making and his his kind of play play finishing ability, he's shown that against teams that have weak point of attack defenders, he can attack a closeout, he can finish in traffic. 
Uh, and he's, he sort of did that against the Raptors as well, to be honest with you. So I think I would favor the Bulls. How do you feel in this situation? It, it's tough just because it, to me, this, this matchup, when, like you said, you've got the shot, the shot making of Zach Levine and, and DeMar DeRozan, but then you got Miami who was initially favored against Atlanta. They're playing at home in this game. So to me, it really is a crapshoot. I lean Miami, even though Kyle Lowry is currently listed as questionable. I don't know how much that really would truly, like, I don't know that that's the X factor of this game, but I'm, I'm very, I'm concerned for Miami. I think they're going to have to kind of kick it into a, a third gear for this one. Um, so, oh, and I'm just now seeing the Mavs just got fined seventy five thousand dollars. So, oh, for the just, for the tanking, just another just another day, just another day. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I I gotta say I lean I lean Miami. I lean Miami right now. Yeah, yeah. So wow, I didn't I didn't see that, but that's crazy. They got fined seventy five k for. Oh, excuse me, seven hundred and fifty thousand. It was a typo by Chris Haynes. Sorry. I mean, wow. There we go. Wow. Corrected. There we go. Seven. Sorry, not my money. <laughs> yeah, I mean that is a lot. Uh, I think the maximum amount that they can find a team is a million dollars. It was six hundred thousand a couple of years ago. So to me, really, you know, Damn. inflation and all. Here we go. <laughs> as long as you're not taking my draft picks, we move on. <laughs> hey, look, Mark Cuban can pay the money, man. He's all right. He'll be fine. Yeah, he he's yeah. had the opportunities to learn his lessons on on yeah. keeping keeping things in house and never sees yeah. it happen. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, I was listening to to another podcast and, you know, they brought up a good point. They, they said, like, look, none of this would have happened if Jason Kidd wasn't very abrupt at the end of the post conference, at the end of the press conference saying like, hey, yeah, we made a decision. We made a team decision to rest these guys and and kind of look towards the offseason. If Jason Kidd had not said that, I think the league wouldn't have as much to investigate with, which is. Yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, at this point. I think that's that's the key there. Yeah. Anyways, uh, so look, I, I think uh, Miami versus Chicago will be very interesting. Um, the two playoff series that are now determined, though, uh, is what I would like to talk about. Boston versus Atlanta. I really did think it was going to be Boston-Miami for almost uh, – I wouldn't have predicted the Hawks to win that game. But the Hawks, thanks to some great offensive rebounding by Clint Capella, they just dominated on the offensive glass. Uh, the point of attack uh, defense of Miami was just not enough for the likes of Trey Young and DeJounte Murray. And the Hawks ended up winning this pretty handedly. Like that was the that was the most obvious playing game of the playing games that we saw. So now it's Boston Atlanta. And I I like what Atlanta can do to Boston theoretically in the sense that they can also, I mean, Trey Young and DeJounte Murray, they can pose a threat to Boston's point of attack defense. Although obviously Boston has the likes of Marcus Smart, Derek White, Malcolm Brogdon, who can play very, very good defense. I think I don't know if the Hawks can be able to take off more than a game, but I would say the Hawks will take at least one in Atlanta. Um, I think that's the case. But but look, I mean, Boston has handedly beat them almost every single time they've played this year. So I probably go Boston in five. Are you still leaning that way as well? I am still leaning that way as well. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give Atlanta an extra one. I'm going to say Boston in six because I okay. do think that Atlanta's going to get hot a couple of times. They have seven players that average double digits in the regular season, eight if you count uh, Onyeko Kongwu, who averaged 9.9. So I think they're going to be able to get feisty, but I think Boston, with their defense and their versatility, I think they're going to be able to kind of handle that pretty, pretty, pretty firmly. Yeah, I agree. The the other 2-7 in the Western Conference, though, is not as clear-cut, in my opinion, 
and that's the Memphis Grizzlies versus the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, the Lakers played a pretty bad game against the Timberwolves. Like that game was ugly in general. Uh, it was just one of the most, it was like, it was a great bad game. It was exciting. It was fun, but everything about it basketball wise was just awful to watch. Um, when it comes to the Grizzlies versus the Lakers, I said this before on other prediction pod, but I just think the Lakers can, can throw things at the Grizzlies that the Grizzlies might not be prepared for, especially because of the fact that they are missing Steven Adams, they're missing Brandon Clark. And so their front court depth isn't as prepared to guard a guy like Anthony Davis, which puts a lot of pressure on Jaron Jackson Jr. to be the... I mean, I'm not sure that Jaron Jackson Jr. gets the number one assignment on Davis. I could see someone else getting the assignment on him. I'm I'm still kind of waiting. I'm curious to see what happens in game one. But I think defensively, the, the Grizzlies can throw a lot of interesting things at... Sorry, the Lakers can throw a lot of interesting things at the Grizzlies. You throw Jared Vanderbilt at the point of attack on John Morant. You throw him on Desmond Bain, maybe, to chase him around screens. You maybe even throw him on Jaron Jackson Jr. so he can be the help side guy. There are so many options the Lakers can throw at the Grizzlies defensively that I think can can stifle some of the things Memphis wants to do on offense, especially because the Grizzlies haven't been the best half-court offense. So personally, I would say Lakers in six. That's that's I and I know like maybe that's that's an outrageous claim. No, but. I know. I mean, it's it's tough because I don't think I think anybody that said no matter who you have, I think either team in five is would be an outrageous claim. But I, I do think that this is going to go to six or seven because I, I just think it's a it's a pretty um like one for one matchup. And in, in, or I don't want to say one for one. It's a good matchup in terms of balancing things out because the AD versus Jaron, like you said, I don't know if that is going to be the assignment, but those two, how they're going to uh, kind of counter each other is going to be really interesting. Um, so I, I mean, I don't know how this is going to go. I, I believe the Laker, I believe in the Lakers just because you're going to, like you said, you're going to have to rely on Santi Aldama and even Xavier Tillman to an extent to mm-hmm. go up against AD at certain points of the game. And I I don't know how that's going to go for them. I think, and, and, and like you mentioned with the Lakers throwing out different things, they could potentially throw out big lineups out there that could really put Memphis in, in tough positions at certain points, especially if Jaron gets into foul trouble or, you know, it could, it could get really interesting, which is part of the reason why I do think that there's a, a world in which Jaron is not on AD because of the foul trouble. Um, I did want to ask you, who do you think the X factor is in this series? Because as I'm going through the list, I think you can make a case for like five different guys. Yeah, that's fair. I I think what my mind goes to immediately is Jaron Jackson, just Mm -hmm. because the foul trouble thing is going to be a huge issue with him. How can he stay out of foul trouble? Because again, the Grizzlies front front court depth with, with Adams and Clark out is a huge issue. And the, the Lakers, they've been one of the best free throw drawing teams all season. Um, Anthony Davis gets to the free throw line consistently. Austin Reeves gets to the free throw line consistently. LeBron James gets to the free throw line consistently. So they're going to apply a lot of pressure on the rim, which means Jaron Jackson Jr. is going to have to contest a lot of shots, which also means he might get into foul trouble. Right. I also think offensively, Jackson is a guy who can, if if Bain and Morant aren't feeling it a certain day, he's the guy who can be the shot creator, the guy who can hit a couple shots for you and change the complexion of a game. So I, it seems like Jackson is the answer. I feel like Jackson is the answer for the rest of the playoffs for the Grizzlies. Even, even if they win this Lakers series, how Jaron Jackson Jr. looks against the Warriors, how Jaron Jackson Jr. looks against the Kings, whoever they end up facing, uh, that's that's the key when it comes to the Grizzlies in general. But the other person I wanted to bring up was John Morant. 
And I know that seems very obvious, but the Lakers' point of attack defense is abysmal. They don't have anybody that can guard John Morant. Austin Reeves, God bless you. He can't do it. Uh, yeah, he just, <laughs> he, he just can't. I'm sorry. Dennis Schroeder is not going to be able to do it. They've lost Patrick Beverly, who is pro- who's probably their best point of attack defender, and that's not really saying much. Um, so I think they just don't have anybody who can contain Jaw. Um, and that makes me curious to see, okay, are we going to see Jared Vanderbilt on John Morant? Are we going to see maybe LeBron try to guard John Morant, which is, I don't, I don't necessarily love as a potential right. outcome. So I, I think he's going to have a great series. He seems like the type of guy who can go for 40, who can go for 50 potentially against the Lakers. And that could change the complexion of the series. If he just completely dominates, I could see the Grizzlies winning the series pretty handedly. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there's a lot of other factors outside of jaw that makes me favor the Lakers in this. So it really just depends. It it depends on how the Grizzlies young guys do. I mean, we talked about this earlier with OKC, but how how you're able to show it and prove it in the playoffs is going to be a huge it's going to be a huge factor in what the the overall trajectory of this team looks like. And that counts for Morant, that counts for Bain, that counts for Jackson. We'll see what they can do. That's that that's honestly that's the <laughs> gist of it when it comes to the Grizzlies. Do you yeah. do you lean Lakers though? Do you still say Lakers in six or seven? Or do you- I do. I do lean Lakers uh, just because of not. I don't want to say just because of the experience, just because they have LeBron James. So that's such a cop out answer in my mind. But yeah. I do. I'm currently leaning that way right now. I I think LeBron chasing this fifth ring is going to be just something to behold. And and we've talked on here a lot about Anthony Davis and the season that he's put together. Um, and I think that they feel that they're in a position that they haven't been in a, in a minute or that yeah. they wondered if they even would be in again. And so, yeah, if it was even possible. Right? Yeah. And so I think, I think they're ready to go and they've, they've figured out how to utilize some pieces, the, the newer pieces and, and again, find themselves in a position that they weren't in before. Um, and I, I wonder if Memphis is going to be able to kind of slay that dragon because as much as we have joked about the Lakers and in recent years, and even this year, um, I think they're in a position to potentially pull off this upset. Yeah, it, it, I, I'm wary, though, because I remember yeah. last year in the playoffs, there were um, a lot of people were like, oh, man, Toronto in six or seven against the Sixers. Yeah, we feel that they, they've had they've had their they've had the advantage over the Sixers all season. They've played them well. They have certain things that, could, that they can throw out against Embiid. And that was not the case, folks. They went down three nothing. They cut they kind of climbed their way back and forced it to six. But like it was very handed. It was very obvious that the Sixers were going to win that series. I'm curious to see if something like this happens again because everybody seems to be saying Lakers are going to win this series, right? Everybody seems to be doubting the Grizzlies and and saying, you know, I, we don't know, you know, the whole John Morant situation. We're not sure how they look, how they feel. Uh, they obviously have injuries. So I'm kind of wary. I'm not sure. Maybe yeah, it's one of those things fair. where we're overthinking it and it's actually going to be the Grizzlies. <laughs> it, like just season. dominating, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, could, it could be. I could it could, it could. That, yeah. Um, okay, folks, look, the, the playoffs are tomorrow, Lauren, before everything starts, I just want to do a heat check. How are you feeling on our predictions for Monday? You know, we've had a week to kind of t- digest things, to figure things out. We, we know two more matchups now. Um, is there anything that has changed for you? Do you think that there is any prediction that you would like to update or bring about? Oh man, that's a good question. I, I guess I'm feeling a little less confident about my Kings upset pick, but I'm praying that that okay. happens. Cause I do think I want it. I want it so bad. It'll be amazing, yeah. but I, I yeah. do. It's hard. It's so hard to doubt the warriors. So 
mm-hmm. we'll see. We'll see with that one. We'll see. So I, the one thing I'll say uh, is that I see a lot of picks of Suns either winning the championship or making it to the NBA Finals. And I would just like to say that that seems like it's a very, very uh, not generous. I mean, I could I could totally see a world where Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, and Chris Paul are enough to do that. And they're talented enough, very clearly talented enough to do that. I just think their depth is a question. And it's a question that hasn't been, you know, we haven't had to worry about that because they've only played 10 or nine regular season games fully healthy together. They've won all of them when Kevin Durant is in the lineup. But I still question, okay, in a playoff series, when things get tight, second round against the Nuggets or third round, maybe against the Warriors, how is your depth going to look? How are the Josh Akogis? How are the Tory Craigs, the TJ Warrens, the Cameron Paynes of the world? How are those guys going to look in a playoff setting? I mean, I, I think that's that's a valid question. And I just, I would, I would, I'm not saying let's slow it down with Phoenix because I could totally see that, that they do all the things that everybody is predicting. But I would just be wary. I would just be cautious because I do think there is a chance that this team, yes, looks good, but probably looks better with an offseason. Probably looks better when they sign some fringe place players to fill out their rotation so that they can be a more proper, you know, team that can rely on eight, nine guys versus now I'm not sure they can rely on eight, nine guys. That's the only question I have with the Suns. Mm-hmm. Again, I would not be shocked if they end up doing what people are expecting them to do. But I would just be cautious. That's yeah, fair. I think I think that's fair. There, I, I, I'm anticipating, not wondering. I'm anticipating there being moments where you need a campaign or a Tory Craig to step up and hit a shot that they just don't hit, or maybe multiple, whether it's back to back, different games, different series, even they don't hit those those shots. And I don't know that that's necessarily going to be a difference maker in a series. But I do think that, like you said, I think that was the best way to put it. Maybe after an off season, after. Yeah a draft, a free agency, a buyout market, all of these different cycles, once they get mm-hmm. through that, they can kind of tie up some loose ends and really be in a position. Um, and hopefully, I hate to be morbid, but hopefully Chris Paul is is healthy and hopefully DeAndre Ayton is happy. And yeah. I mean, we'll see. That's that's also a question for now. playoffs. Yeah, like, 100%. Yeah, it's like, hey, how does DeAndre Ayton look in a playoff setting? How consistent does he look? How does Chris Paul look in May, in June, potentially? Um can Kevin Durant stay healthy? Can Devin Booker stay? There's, there's, there's all those questions that remain when honestly it comes to any team, but look folks, um, the playoffs are going to be underway. You're going to be listening to this on Saturday morning. Um, and there's going to be games happening in a couple of hours. So I hope you enjoy, I hope you guys live it out. It is one of my favorite weekends in the NBA when I can just sit down from 12 to 12, like the couch (laughs) potato that I am, and just watch basketball consistently. I'm super excited for that. I know, Lauren, you're also excited for it. You're probably going to be sitting down and watching it, too. Probably reeling up the Mavericks $750,000 fine. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, we appreciate you guys tapping into the Objective Basketball Podcast. Thank you so much for doing so. Do all the liking, do all the subscribing, do all the things that you guys usually do. Hit that, hit the reviews. That would be greatly appreciated. Um, And we will see you guys later from Lauren, from me. Bye-bye. Follow hosts at Just S. Barahini on all socials and at The Lauren Gun on Twitter. The Objective Basketball Podcast. Delivering the NBA to you like no other.